we've just committed first degree podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Netflix. I'm Chad Rosen. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today we're going to be talking about Katamari Damashi, which I should have looked up the correct pronunciation of. I'm only 90% sure that's correct. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Katamari Damashi was released in 2004 and was developed and published by Namco. And the, g- the genre of this game <laughs> is... Uh, up to interpretation, <laughs> I want to say. Yeah, the most consistent thing I've seen is people referring to it as like an arcade kind of high score game. Yeah, like arcade is sort of a genre. It's more like a, a genre enhancer type situation. It's the mm-hmm. salt that you sprinkle on top of a genre. Like Star Fox 64 is like an arcade space shooter. Yeah, it's the pressure that acts on genres. And that pressure is toward much smaller, more brief engagement times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and normally with a lot of numbers. See, and I would goals. say it's the exact opposite, where it's a base that genres are built on top of. Ah, I, the the ludo philosophy <laughs> that's going on right now but i don't want to talk about that because that's boring that's true and even if we do apply the arcade like modifier to whatever this game is it like kind of doesn't work like because obviously it doesn't have like a live system like an arcade game does but also like it's not brief like you get near the end of the game the levels are like 20 minutes of pop like it gets pretty uh lengthy for what it what the core engagement is, but I think that that kind of adds to the strength of it. What I'm going to call it for the time being, because we can't, in the the definition of the genre when talking about Katamari, call it a Katamari-like or something. (laughs) Um, The only other game I can even think of that would reside in the same genre is uh, The Beautiful End of the World, which is, like, uh, similar in concept. You also roll a ball around. Uh... But that's the goal of Katamari. If you've come into this not knowing that in Katamari Damashi you roll a ball around, <laughs> uh, the, here's your wake-up call. Yeah. You roll a ball. Yeah, I feel like we should coin a new term uh, that Katamari is a roll up A roll up Okay. I feel like I've even seen that before. So that could be a good... It probably is. It's yeah. like a, a subconscious thing. Mm-hmm. What was that car game that I walked into you guys inexplicably playing once that was an adventure game oh, made by... Car Quest. Car Quest? <laughs> yes. I think... Both of you walked in on me playing it is what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like Traversal Challenge. It's like a platformer without the platforms. We're right. just... We're moving as we're itself jumping. a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Platforming is actually a decent way to sort of yep. characterize your moment to moment. Pause. Let's rewind real quick. Don't buy Car Quest. <laughs> that is a good, good call. Good call. Good Thank call. you. Yeah. <laughs> we made fun of it on the eShop, and then it was a dollar, so I bought it as a joke, and I've never played it since. This was not an endorsement of Car Quest. That's the thing I it's, have to go it's back. It's the opposite. Yeah, it's, the, it's a reverse. It's a bad review. Car Quest gets like a 4 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, 4? <laughs> On, like, the IGN scale, where 7 means it's playable. Okay, (laughs) fair enough. I think we have taken our loyalty to IGN too far by adopting their numerical scales. (laughs) So do the rest of the industry. I agreed. I give a CarQuest a blue out of green. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So fuck CarQuest. Resume. (laughs) Uh, Moving around in Katamari is your primary challenge. It's like, if you took a platform game removed all the jumping gave you the ability to uh to, oh you take a platform game you remove the jumping and then you bring in feeding frenzy the pop cap game where you know the pop cap version is uh in San aquarium whatever the original feeding frenzy was where you swim around as a fish and you eat smaller fish to make yourself bigger and then you can eat bigger fish <laughs> to slowly grow if you mashed that up <laughs> and you took the fish out and scattered them around in like logical places for fish to be. That's that is how Katamari came to be. Yeah, it, it 
uh, it kind of reminds me weirdly of like a bunch of different kinds of games. Like it, it kind of makes me think of like Crazy Taxi. <laughs> also uh, a good pull. Yeah, 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 like just like weird like random things. It'll just remind you of. Yeah, and that's honestly not a bad way to look at it because like while ostensibly the goal in uh, like your basic Katamari levels uh, are to like roll up enough stuff to meet a size goal there is also an element of getting to a specific location because like the things get bigger when you go to different places so uh you do like make progress through the levels whether or not it's really like explained to you in that way yeah in a weird way this game is actually very similar to like the same kind of progression systems that are in linear mario games Mm -hmm. and that you have to generally under somewhat predefined paths and by predefined in katamari i mean like they normally have a bunch of bananas in a line for you to follow that you're expected to roll up if you're going to be efficient and once you get enough of the objects in katamari it's stuff in mario it's coins Mm -hmm. you often unlock a new area that you can go to the super novel thing is that in katamari the new area that you can go to is not a new place it's a new frame of reference to the same place you just get larger and that changes what you can do in the environment in such a dramatic way that it's often functionally a new level Mm -hmm. and it's it's i'm assuming because i know both andy and i played uh re-roll the switch like remaster same for me okay um have either of you played a Katamari before just just now? Oh, no, they scared me. Okay. <laughs> I n- knew people that had it in elementary school, and I may have played it at uh, said friend's house. Right. But I don't really remember, so I'm going to go with no. Okay. I was aware of it, though. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to be aware of it. It had quite the splash. Like. Yeah. If Katamari came out in this day and age, considering the kind of saturation of, like, twee indie stuff after the rise of Steam, I don't think anyone would know or care about it. But the fact that this got, like, a PS2 release yeah. back and, in the day and, like, a marketing push. Because it was made by Namco. Like, yeah. these yeah. are people who, you know, have been making, who made, like, the first recognizable video game. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, uh... Yeah, I was thinking similar things. Like, this game would not get made by a AAA studio today unless it was maybe by, like, Nintendo. Yeah, and even then, it would be, like... Uh, like a budget title. Yeah, like or... Like a Captain Toad or something. It would be, like, a Captain Toad, yeah. Yeah. Because they've already... All they have to do is add Feeding Frenzy to Captain <laughs> Toad, and all of a sudden, you've got a Katamari. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I was thinking, yeah, it feels like an indie game before indie games were a thing. Right. And yeah, on the PS2 especially, like, it's wild. <laughs> so, the story, because I actually do like this story, and I, I, I kind of want to tell it to... <laughs> oh, please, please fill my ears with the explanation of how this came to be. Uh, I'll, I'll fill your ears, and I'm going to fill time on the podcast by telling <laughs> you about... Um, when I was a kid, I had this, like, obsession with, like... I guess sort of esoteric or like just sort of obscure games, like games that didn't make a whole lot of sense on their face. Uh, and it started with how much I enjoyed Atari 2600 games. Uh, even though that's before my time, like I started playing Atari games when I turned like 11 or 12 or something. And so I, I got this like fiendish, uh, desire to play things that were just like way outside of the realm of normalcy and I went to a GameStop looking for a game that was called Cubivore um, which if you're familiar with me as a person I've probably talked about it around <laughs> you before uh, but it's just it was a weird GameCube game where you ate things and got bigger weird parallel because the dude at GameStop was like we don't have that one but we do have this that might be interesting. And he pulls Katamari off the shelf. It was like $20. And I was like, well, fuck, okay. Took it home and just like in love immediately. Like this, I fucking adore this game and have played all the games in the series. So I have a long history with Katamari. What an incredible GameStop employee. I know. Like, shout out <laughs> to that dude, <laughs> wherever in, you are. In, in my mind, it's going to be the same GameStop employee that recommended uh, Dragon Quest Eight to me. <laughs> <laughs> because he said it was the same thrill level as Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> 
All right. I won't support the method, but I will support the result. Okay. Yeah. Good. Uh, I don't know. This guy didn't mention any thrill level, or at least I don't, <laughs> I don't recall. But yeah. So I've been playing Katamari since about the year it came out, and I've followed along with all of them. And man, does it get sad when you go further down the line. When you say you've played it since the year it came out, yeah. do you mean continuously? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's always a break. Uh, not so much when I first got it, because I was still young enough that I was at that age where... Because Katamari levels are, like, real easy. Like, I did the thing where I spent, like... Sorry, not... Sorry. Sorry. Short. We'll call it... We'll say short. <laughs> uh, and I kind of gathered it and... and uh, picked up sort of how how the game worked. So I was the kid who was like grinding to like get that exact like where the level where he asked you to make an exactly ten meter katamari. <laughs> I like fucking was like taking notes like if I'm if I can pick this up I'm way too big and if like if I can't pick this one up yet I might be getting close and like fucking charts on the walls trying to figure out how to how to do it. This was before the yep. internet, and everyone knew about yep. just getting a tree and then being done. So. I feel like this game came out at exactly that like right time mm-hmm. in in our lives, like what we were in like late grade school or early junior high. It was two thousand four, so I was a teenager at the time. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, do you have something to say, JJ? Oh, just it's a complete non sequitur, uh, but I always feel like when I'm playing this game of the many times that I had to keep trying to play it over and over again, (laughs) uh, that this is the kind of game that conceptually people who were afraid of video games in the 80s and 90s were specifically afraid of. Like, it's like their worst nightmare. There's nothing... I do not... When we were discussing genre, at no point did we say Katamari is, like, sort of a... It's like a horror game (laughs) mixed with feeding friends. When I say their worst nightmare, I did not mean what they thought their worst nightmare would be. Uh, Because they think that's Mortal Kombat, but they're wrong. The real way that you get into the minds of the children is that you create an exterior that is like colorful and nice enough that a parent would look at it and just completely dismiss it as just like random bullshit that you don't care about. But then once the game has the attention of your child, it just continues to sort of like put its fangs and claws and other sharp bits (laughs) Mm -hmm. deeper into the child mind uh, until you're just humming a bunch of different tunes over and over again. Uh, there's weird sort of not necessarily satanic, but definitely like alt religious themes just all over this game. <laughs> this is true, yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it really just kind of stipulate the existence of an alternative higher power and really establishes this strange subservient relationship to it in the way that I imagine you would be afraid of if you were a '90s parent. Uh, it's just, it really does scare you when you look at it for too long. It's like a really good painting. Like a blatant disregard for human life, but not like <laughs> in a murderous way. No. In like a Heaven's Gate way. Yes. Where they're like, if you get rolled up into the mystical Katamari, mm. you'll be shot into the st- uh, sky and become a star. <laughs> like, oh. And you'll be glad for the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> but when you actually look at the details of that metaphor. It does like a cult kind of yes. feel to mm-hmm. it, yeah. Yeah, the King of All Cosmos is like the uh, like picturesque, like uh, narcissistic cult leader type mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's good. Bulge yeah. and all, yeah, yeah. He's, he's <laughs> like probably not even like real. He probably stuffed a sock in there. It's Absolutely. just a few catamaries or stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Did this game not scare either of you? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it, it kind of felt similar to, like, Earthbound or other weird auteur-driven uh, video games. Uh, so it didn't really... I found what I expected to find in the Katamari game. <laughs> yeah. That is itself kind of a cultish <laughs> thing to say. It's just like, with me, even with the Earthbound-like games that are trying to move that kind of deceptive direction, mm-hmm. once you get to the horror part of it, you understand what they're doing at a meta sense of the game, right? Like when Gigas is in front of you, you're like, oh, I didn't expect this to go here. But you kind of have the context to know where here is. I have no idea <laughs> what the cosmic, like, I feel the stars, little girl, is supposed to make me feel. Oh, yeah. And that makes me more scared. I totally mm-hmm. forgot about that, like, little <laughs> side plot that happens. That, that 
is pretty outstanding. Uh, <laughs> it it kind of feels like, uh, and this is me just kind of reaching here, mm-hmm. uh, but like how a lot of old fairy tales and or fables have like weird, scary, like under and or overtones that are supposed to scare children into being good. It kind of has that feeling to it. Right. But, like, the person in Katamari that you would look to as the, like, bad example is, like, God? (laughs) Sure is. So, I agree and have always... So just keep your Katamari nice and neat. And the king of all cosmos won't... uh, Get drunk and destroy the universe. Won't shoot you into space. Yeah. Keep your room clean, Susie. Yeah, that's the parable. (laughs) This is beyond atheism. It stipulates the existence of an evil, malevolent god. Yeah, like one that wants to... to, We're not even, like... Okay, alright. So I think that the, like, sort of thematic elements of Katamari and the, uh, like, bridge logic that definitely exists <laughs> in the game has always been like a point of of mostly jokes like it's mostly been a jokes type thing yeah yeah it's uh, all played for humor yeah to spoil it for you a little bit the the creator of katamari damashi basically came out and said like i just want to make like a like he was looking at games that people were making in 2004 and like things that were very popular and like what people and he was like I kind of want to just backtrack and say like back to the the days when things were more abstract and like the, it was like a he wanted to make video games great again uh, <laughs> I'm sorry for that very bad comparison uh, <laughs> topical joke yeah but <laughs> But so the majority of that stuff is just in there as a as like a ha ha kind of situation. Mm-hmm, Though mm-hmm. they go way fucking overboard when you <laughs> fail a level. Like oh yeah, the, <laughs> like the king's head floating menacingly as like thunder strikes behind him, <laughs> and he's just like shooting. What well, what is it in this game? Does he shoot like laser beams at you? Or? I don't remember. Thunder strikes one time and there's a jump scare where he suddenly has he's like horrible bang, long bang. fingers that yeah. are coming for your brain i assume but you don't have to explain to me what the fail screen looks like (laughs) well i need you to explain to me what the fail screen looks like because i haven't seen it in 10 years it is it of course you haven't (laughs) uh it is darkness from an abyss that is actually the sky Mm -hmm. uh with lightning from presumably above the clouds yeah Yeah. space lightning (laughs) illuminating your father from zeus himself yeah (laughs) who with his disappointment and menace morphs in front of you in in actual like jump scare fashion into a creature worthy of your consumption (laughs) uh but yeah that's that's what that's like and i know that because i never got past make a star seven i did every other level i could possibly do and i tried make a star seven five times and failed every single one of them this Uh, is amazing well level eight's even harder so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I I found this game overall to be fairly easy, but uh, level 7 gave me trouble. I had to do that one, like, twice. And then level 8 I had to try, like, five times, probably. Yeah, that one was very... And I finished it with one second left. <laughs> <laughs> it was very difficult. It's actually, like, this is one of those games that... Kind of like WarioWare, honestly... Um, where coming into very similar to (laughs) Wario, it's one of those situations where like I've played it a whole lot, but like to me, Katamari doesn't feel like it's a skill that somebody would have to like, like try real hard to master. (laughs) I'm assuming I did just because like I was a kid and I just played it a whole bunch, Mm -hmm. and so it it like I guess surprises me to hear this. Yeah, but I'm I'm glad that there was a challenge. I was a little bit concerned there wouldn't be. Yeah, I don't know how much my like pre-existing game literacy like aided me here. (laughs) Almost um, none, probably. probably, But uh, (laughs) I found the game to be like weirdly intuitive kind of almost in like a nintendo way like a lot of like what i felt like the core design of the game felt very nintendo where like even like the aesthetic and like the the controls and like the theming and like the like all the decisions felt like they were made um 
very like cohesively in a way that I think like Nintendo does with their games. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, especially when it comes to like controls and and sort of overall theming. Uh, I don't think Nintendo would ever be this weird. Like I feel like Nintendo would, and also <laughs> the aesthetic itself is and- a little bit too simple, blocky. Like for like if Nintendo put out a game. On the PlayStation 2. Yeah. I imagine they would have sort of a different thing going for yeah, it. I agree with you at the time. Mm-hmm. Nintendo never would have published this. But I think if this was presented to them now, they would eat it up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I can see where you're coming from with that, but like... Cause this seems like... It just... On every level, it seems like something that like Miyamoto would have a boner for. How does Miyamoto... How does Miyamono's Bono? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is the question. Uh, how does Miyamoto's boner uh, really? <laughs> no, I can't. God now, damn it. Now, it's, it has to stay in because the name of this episode is going to be Miyamoto's Boner. <laughs> Miyamoto's Boner has to stay in. Okay. <laughs> We're breaking down. We are. We're turning it. We're turning into our elementary particles. Why would Miyamoto's boner exist and get, and become risen for the kind of like horrible faces that are constantly on these blog pages? Have you played a Nintendo game? I have. It's just you put faces dude, on everything, dude. The mirror shield from Majora's Mask—that's a horrible face. It is, but it's like an, it's an unambiguously horrible face. There's no contrast there. It's just going for horror and is horrible. Like yes. my comparison to this would be like Splatoon, which mm-hmm. also has horrible undertones <laughs> and like really, really <laughs> creepy, like like just like a, a bad shit insane premise. Uh, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. in that game, they they have a, the initial layer. Everything is still painted with a marketing brush, right? You yeah. still look at the Squid Kids, and you're like, oh, it's a cool design with a cool kid doing yeah, cool no, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't think it would be exactly the same as it is now. Like Nintendo would airbrush their Nintendo-ness over top of it. Exactly. But I don't think it would end up that much different. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it would be like 85% the same. Yes, because even like King of All Cosmos kind of reminds me of Mr. Rossetti. Like, you could draw like so, <laughs> uh, so like many, yeah, just so many parallels to, yeah. uh, to things that actually exist in Nintendo's games. I, yep. I, I guess I can sort of see it, but we talk about Nintendo too much already we do. on the podcast, so... <laughs> Dude, I want the Animal Crossing crossover where you roll up an Animal Crossing town with your oh, Katamari. Yeah. That'd be fun. Can I- people die in Animal Crossing? Just hand wave it. The people in the Katamari don't really die. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's already, like, explicitly in the text that, like, there's no mention of those people dying. And, in fact, you can just go back and they're there again. <laughs> and you roll them up again, make the Katamari a little bit bigger. And then... Here's where it gets a little weird. He shoots the old Katamari out of the sky and turns it into stardust. (laughs) And he puts the old one up there. So if it did contain a lot of people, those people are now literally dust. (laughs) Well, see, when you start a level, doesn't he say that he's sending the objects to Earth? People aren't the objects, right? Is maybe all of this just a virtual reality? Could it be a simulation? Yeah, where uh, the king of all cosmos just gets endless satisfaction out of Katamari's, and it's just making you make them for his own pleasure. <laughs> oh, so it's like a Portal 2 type yeah, Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Except instead of a supercomputer that controls a bunch of panels in the shape of rooms, it's a god that creates a new universe. Dude, same thing. <laughs> Dude, same thing, just different names. Yeah. Supercomputer, god. <laughs> this is deep. <laughs> We can't escape the philosophy of the Katamari podcast. So, the thing, okay, uh, I don't like that. Also, I feel like... Yeah, uh, back to mechanics. Yeah, I, I feel like the key thing in making that work is is taking these sending objects to Earth on face value. But I'm pretty sure that's just he's just dictating a loading screen. Right, yeah. Which, well, is, obviously. which I love. Mm-hmm. Though, I okay, this might just be rose-colored glasses, but uh, I didn't notice any changes, like whatsoever not like I, I obviously didn't memorize the location of all the objects in the game <laughs> just a lot of them and uh <laughs> i didn't like 
really go comprehensively into the remake to like try and pick out differences but i feel like the game of cosmos's dialogue is so much louder <laughs> like the the squeaky noise that it plays oh, when the yeah. text fills the box like i found myself getting really annoyed by it like which is arguably intentional. Yeah, but like... I played this at the laundromat, and by the way, this is like a 10 out of 10 great laundromat game. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I it, it takes just long enough to do a level that like your watch is almost done when you finish it. Yeah, put it uh, on the box. Yeah, but... Um, laundromat game. Yeah. 10 out of 10. <laughs> yes. Katamari de Laundry. Um, so... <laughs> that was a bad joke. It was. That was I love that it. That was for you, Jack. I, lo- I love it. Um... God, what was I even going to say? I don't know. Katamari <laughs> Damashi. The sound off? Oh, yeah. No, I played with headphones on, and Guys. that makes that even worse. Okay. <laughs> he yells right in your ears. Yeah, it's the the opposite of a solution to yes. the problem. I played a little bit of this with the sound you off. you got to play with the sound on. You have to play with the sound on, and the reason, dear listener... <laughs> Is that the soundtrack is the greatest soundtrack <laughs> of all time ever? No fucking questions. That's because it's not a video game soundtrack. No, it it's makes just... no sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an album. It's just a concept <laughs> album. They laid over a video game. I mean, it does. It kind of feels like, uh, like psychedelic, um, in the way that like psychedelic rock makes like weird trippy visuals with their music, mm-hmm. it gives me that kind of vibe where they were like, "Let's try to personify like what's happening in the game with, with a weird soundtrack." <laughs> Go <Yeah>. nuts! <laughs> it, it really does mesh quite well with like the screams of your victims that are constantly yeah, sort of echo really, out yeah, in the background. Like, like, the, just the chaos of the universe unfolding. Mm-hmm. The the one song, and I don't know the names of the songs or the lyrics because they're all in Japanese. <laughs> uh, but like, there's this there's one song that like keeps playing through my head that just has this like repetitive sort of like beat to it. It's like and like you know a drum beat that plays over it, and some guy sings. And I can just hear that really clearly with people just shrieking constantly <laughs> in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, there is, it's weird that it works with something that should be so just like alarming in comparison. <laughs> like, it makes yeah. it fun to do these horrible things. Yeah, I think there's a lot of like that goes into that, I think. It's like everything kind of like is working in tandem. Like, the the visuals and like the texture work and like the specific art direction the what's hacked the motion of what's happening on the screen mm-hmm. and the music all like they all come together especially with and, the time we're taking down as well because like it's not like you have time to stop yeah and it's like real chaotic it. but then it's paradoxically also like very methodic because mm-hmm. you're rolling up the ball and you know like you kind of go in and out of being like oh yeah i'm rolling up people and they're screaming <laughs> and like sometimes you don't even notice yeah you're just like, oh, what's all this? <laughs> you know like yeah you, you get into like a weird zen uh murder ebb and, zen. Ebb and, fl- ebb and flow yeah same the the ebb and flow of murder mm-hmm. we just cannot escape <laughs> The philosophy <laughs> horror god angle of this video game. It, yeah, it's almost impossible. When every single element of its design is designed to just acclimate you to just causing death and destruction on a huge scale. Yeah, and in the way that it ramps up too, like from the you start out in just like a room of a house. Yeah, not even that, just like on a table. Yeah, like they specifically start you on an area that is large for how small you are Mm -hmm. and then it gradually builds up to the point where like near the end of the game you wouldn't even be able to roll up a table because you're rolling up the building that contains it like you're already so enormous that it wouldn't even come like it wouldn't even cross your mind Mm -hmm. um just like the lives that you end it's just a a blip (laughs) in time it's unworthy of your introspection i mean by the end of the game you roll up like you didn't finish the game. No. Are you familiar with how this game ends? No, I was genuinely very curious. Didn't Google it in any way because I wanted you to tell me, Chad. Right. So, well, I'll come back to this because I kind of want to save, like, uh, this particular discussion for the break. Or for, yeah, for the break. Fuck <laughs> all of you yeah, podcast listeners. Air, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you had to... Uh subscribe to the podcast to get that you have to join our patreon yeah, to go. get the we don't have a patreon anyway <laughs> uh and whatever to like do a useless uh-huh, it's thing. fine but the game ends and i'll you know 
talk more about like how the last level is, but like you you know, get real big, you finish the level, he sends it up, and then the credits start playing. When the credits play, you are a huge Katamari on the globe, and you proceed to roll up every country in the world. Wait, every country, like, divided by lines? By, like, borders. Like, you pick them up individually. Okay. And, <laughs> like, a thing on the side enumerates all the countries that you've picked up. Oh. So, canonically, by the end of the game, the Earth is a ball of water, essentially. <laughs> like, it's yeah. it's the, yeah, the core mantle crust water. No land, though. <laughs> None whatsoever. You start afresh. <laughs> Let's just Earth One, though. Yeah, it's, it's this Earth created by this Cosmos King. Right. Yeah. Though, okay. Before we take the break. Yes. Yes. I have another story. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I don't want to go as far uh, away from the soundtrack discussion as we would need to for this to no longer work on mm-hmm. the podcast because I, I also have just because. Katamari's like Katamari's always like floating around the bottom of my like favorite games list because it just like is so different and weird and I, I do really love it <laughs> that a lot of people associate me with the game but don't really know anything about the game themselves and potentially one of my favorite things that ever happened in the whole world <laughs> happened just a couple of months ago when uh, Dan got me the soundtrack for Katamari and had never heard it before. <laughs> And he was just like, yeah, let's put something on the on the record player. It's like, so you bought the Katamari soundtrack for like, you know it? Like, do you know the, do you know the song? And he's just like, nope, never listened to it before. I was like, here we go, and like throw the first like side A on. And the thing starts with the like six minute variation of the intro song, and it's just immediately you're just like, this is madness, like. <laughs> It's just the craziest thing in the world. And like you were saying about marketing before, they clearly didn't really give that much of a shit, or at least they wanted to present, like, a realistic version of this game. Because if you turn the game on, and it's on, like, the attract mode, and it has, like, that opening cutscene, it's just the craziest shit in the world (laughs) happening. Like, it's a cartoon, and everything's, like, moving real choppy, and it's playing this loud-ass song. It's just, na-na-na-na-na-na-na. And the fucking cows just, like, walking around on a hill. The cows are really central in the marketing for some reason. It's just weird. Yeah, I think the the guy that directed this game was really hands on and like picky <laughs> about that kind. Of, well, obviously, uh, and uh, picky about that kind of stuff. So he probably pushed for that that honest marketing. Yeah, that that is. <laughs> Yeah. Which just confuse and overwhelm the, the viewer. <laughs> yeah, and they'll be like, I gotta get this and figure out what the fuck yeah, is going and on. And if, if that's unappealing to them, they can get out. There was either like a lot of nepotism or some incredible public speaking skills involved in like, pitching the corp- this game. Yeah, like the corporate side of getting Katamari Damashi well, into existence. Yeah, uh, I watched the Did You Know Gaming on this, or listened to it at work. Oh, then you, were, you got a fucking PhD. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> So I know all there is to know. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks, no, Greg. but uh, apparently he pitched the game, and I think to Namco originally, and mm-hmm. they didn't uh, want it. <laughs> and oh, then, I can't imagine yeah, why. <laughs> and then he made a prototype with like some students or whatever uh, from wherever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, after they presented that, they uh, they were. Apparent, I think they were pretty enthusiastic about picking it up after that. So they were indoctrinated, is yes. what you're telling me. The okay. Cult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. He went and he got some followers <laughs> and to to help recruit others to his cause. Is the Namco Digital Hollywood Game Laboratory? There you go. <laughs> and was developed for less than a million bucks. So wow, well, Hollywood. Ho- uh, yeah, apparently in Hollywood. I don't mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Um, Scientology. <laughs> 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 this is this is a different thing, I'm pretty sure. Uh, um, let's take a break. Okay. Alright. <laughs> let's finish rolling up this catamari after the break. I know you love me. I wanna word you up into my life. Let's roll up to be a single star in the sky I hear 
Welcome back to the podcast. Um, we didn't Google that thing we were going to Google. We were going to Google something? Podcast tradition. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what we did do was talk about video game box art <laughs> and how fucking good the box art for Katamari Damashi is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really it about the box art that I wanted to talk about. Do you want to guess? What game we compared the Katamari Damashi box art to? <laughs> we didn't compare them directly. It's just what the discussion of box art led us to talking about a specific series of games mm-hmm. that will re- remain nameless. You King. know what we're talking about. The nameless <laughs> King. Oh, oh <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Cut it. Anyway. Uh, but the reason that the box art looks so good is because this game has the wildest aesthetic of, like, anything I've ever seen in my entire life. That's not true. It's really, <laughs> it's, it's really high up there, though. Uh, so I think they did this specifically so that uh, the game would look sort of, like, timeless, because you can't really improve on this. <laughs> this is a great example of... Fantastic animation work under a lot of hardware restrictions. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is something that, like... And, I mean, it's all very carefully considered. Like, things are are designed to pop out or not, in some cases, depending on, on what the level calls for. Yeah, I actually think it's really impressive because there's, like, hundreds, thousands of objects in each level... So everything had to be, like, for the time, had to be really, like, simply modeled. And, like, they they do make a lot of really smart decisions with, like, texturing and color scheme to, like, make everything uh, stand out as much as it needs to. Mm -hmm. Because, like, if you get up close to the game and you look at it, it can look really overly simplistic. But, like, in motion, I think it's really impressive that it can get that zoomed out and you can still tell what everything is yeah and i love the the decision to keep the same art style in the huge air quotes cutscenes, <laughs> which tell a story that is disconnected from the majority of the the rest of the game about a family that like travels to see their father who's an astronaut blast off in a rocket ship and then presumably just get fucking eaten up (laughs) by the katamari uh but the fact that they kept that same like bonker like lego art style (laughs) that they have fisher price toy Mm kind of looking people everything's like real smooth and basic and i love it i love every fucking bit of it yeah it's i think it's you see it a lot in the PS2 kind of era where, like, the technical limitations, like, breed a lot of creativity. Like, the Wind Waker looks the way it does, like, a lot because of the tone, but also because of the hardware restrictions and trying to get, like, the open ocean to work mm-hmm. on the GameCube. Yep. I think that's got a lot to do with the, like, how successful some of these games are. at, And I'm not saying that, like, games nowadays don't do an equally good job of, of making a like cohesive package, but the hardware lim- limitations inspiring a unique art style, which then you have to work into the tone of your game, is something that just, like, occasionally, like, worked really well. And other places on the PS2 where they went for a more realistic type thing like you could tell that it taxed other areas of the game and you know those games just aren't as uh memorable i -hmm. guess and that's sort of what what makes this stand out yeah katamari shows what elements of the system to tax very well Uh, a little while back i complimented the animation work on this game and i complimented it specifically because they intentionally chose as an aesthetic to have almost none of it. There is almost no animation in Katamari outside of you rolling the ball and I guess just the physics engine of how the ball interacts with other objects in the game. Anything that's actually in the world for the most part is just like a toy operating on extremely simple sort of twists and motions and I guess at some point kind of revolting shaking. It's kind of like South Park animation where the thing is kind of hop along. Because, yeah. like, the people and the animals do move, but, you know, it's not, like, 
a walk cycle. Yeah, no. It's like it's like South Park animation, but the limbs are a lot more mobile. Like if if you watch, the yeah, they will like, throw their arms in the air. Yeah, like, like they do just do. don't yeah. care yes. about being sucked into a, a <laughs> like space they care ball. a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, you mentioned toys. Possible other reading of the game? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like a Smash Brothers situation. <laughs> Let's not get back into that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, as you're rolling around, uh, picking shit up, and then the game ends. That's really the whole game, is you pick shit up in a ball. Yeah. And as both of you just played this game for the first time, I'm fascinated to to hear, like the very beginning of the game like it sits you in that like weird little training zone and is like do all these movements mm-hmm. and then drops you onto a table and says like go nuts for five minutes how did that go like did you did you grasp the controls uh it it felt like weirdly i don't know if nostalgic's the right word but like really felt like it took me back because I'm so used to just, like, picking up a game and, like, being familiar with how it's going to control. And this was like, use both analog sticks to move. And I was like, that's different. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, it was weird to be hit with a control scheme that was, like, completely new. Uh, and it was wonky for a little while, but I... I I adapted to it relatively okay, but I never felt like I quite mastered it. Like things, I don't know if it was more the physics engine or the controls, but I never, if things always felt a little bit wonky, even right up to the end. Yeah. I'm assuming that wonkiness was intentional. I don't think the wonkiness was something they wanted you to escape. I think they wanted you stuck to the wonkiness at all times. Fair enough. And I too was stuck to that wonk. Uh, It's like... (laughs) That wonk. Get get wonk. It reminded me for the second time in the podcast a lot of my initial impressions of Splatoon Mm -hmm. in which I could tell I was interacting with a control scheme that had a significant hurdle to mastery, but I didn't dismiss the control scheme out of hand. Like I thought there was something here and a certain amount of control. It was just a matter of reorienting my brain and expectations around that. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a... The way that it felt like oftentimes when I was playing this game, and I have to believe that this was somebody's intention during its design. Uh, side note, Rachel begged me not to make use this comparison on the podcast, <laughs> and I'm going to completely ignore her and do it anyway. It felt like, from, from the word go, like you were trying to control the game with a set of nipples. Like I was trying to move <laughs> nipples various directions into the way that I wanted the game to go. Uh-huh, it uh-huh. felt perverse in a really horrible way that I think was also the intent of the game. Especially the point when you get to uh, a stage in... <laughs> Whatever activity the situation is implying, and you just give up and you just push both in, <laughs> uh, and then you leap over top. Indeed, I don't uh, know if you guys noticed the like early two thousands era gay panic jokes mm-hmm. did make their way into this game. Uh, there is I recognized this many times because I, I was stuck on World Seven so much. Uh, but you literally open load that level right next to a literal power bottom, like a man wearing like a pink speedo with the word power on his bottom. <laughs> And, like, the classic gay biker stash, if you roll around in front of him. Like, no ambiguity at all. Uh, And there were several moments like that where I was like, that's a gay joke in this game. That this game is, like, subtly sexual. And that is why that same sudden, like, subtle sexuality, I think, really interfaced with the controller as well. Mm -hmm. Like, it felt wrong, but in a way that is right. (laughs) Okay. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna try to. Uh... You don't have a similar comparison. No, to... no, I don't. <laughs> I'm not gonna try to dig into that one. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. You're welcome. I mean, pretty explicitly though, it's like forklift controls. Actually, like you, where it ha- it's like you have separate controls for like the left and right side. Pause. You mean real life forklifts control like this? 
I'm yeah, trying you to just plug in your PS2 controller. To the <laughs> yeah, and then when you click both the sticks and you jump, the forklift does a jump over. <laughs> no, like, uh, man, I feel like forklifts control like this, and I might just be wrong. Yeah, like, where are you? Where would you have multiple get, why would treads? you gain that knowledge? Yeah, that's I, my question. Where are you pooling this from? I work, at, in college, I worked at an office depot okay, and then, operated yeah. a forklift. So okay. I, I have actually used a forklift before. It's been many years. All right. But anything that would have, like, two sets of treads and, like, especially things that need to maneuver really tightly in, like, small areas. Yeah. Use controls like this where you have two different throttles that would push the either both at the same speed to move forward or you push them in opposite directions to do, like, a spin in place. Nice. And so that exact... That's exactly how this controls. Huh. But there is, unfortunately, no forklift vaulting button. <laughs> right. Was there at least a way where you could just jiggle the controllers back and forth? <laughs> just take up at super speed? Yeah, can you do that? <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Okay. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'm glad that there is at least some joy left in Office Depot. Yeah. yeah. It's like tank controls, but, like, literally a tank. <laughs> right. Uh... But yeah, so that's that. I think that is sort of how how I look at it. But uh, yes, the controls are weird and wonky, and and stay that way pretty much forever. But I think that it has <laughs> a lot to do with uh, the way that the levels are designed. So they have to have these like ways to get around. Yeah, I think it's the combination of that in like the like what like inertia mm-hmm. of the prince, like how he builds up speed. Because like you just brought up the speed up move. Mm-hmm. I never used that and forgot that it existed because I felt like I couldn't go very far without bumping into something at normal speed. Yeah. So I never found like a, a scenario where that felt like a good idea to use. It, to make even more comparisons to Splatoon, <laughs> it's similar to the super jump where it has its niche use, but nine times out of ten it just makes you slam into something and have shit explode off of you in, like, a horrible rain of failure. <laughs> True. Uh, but, yeah, that's I, I don't use it very much. I use the jump a lot. I use the regular controls, but most of the time I just let, let the Katamari do its thing. Mm-hmm. Have you ever gotten, like, stuck inside of an object that you shouldn't have been able to like get to before frequently it has a really weird way of handling this that i kind of love and dislike depending on the situation basically if it makes me fail the level or not Mm -hmm. determines whether or not i I love this but if you get stuck somewhere you shouldn't be like the camera sits there for a while as you like try and like get it out and once the game like I think hits a threshold of time or like inputs that you're unable to move. You just start like leaking stuff in like <laughs> like a sweaty katamari that just like explodes <laughs> objects off of it uh-huh. uh, until you can like freely move or in the best circumstances, just, like, shoves you through the roof of whatever object you're on. You see, I was going to make a sex joke until that part of the comparison. <laughs> until the part where you get shoved through the yeah, roof. Yeah, if you go through the other side, it would <laughs> <Yeah>. be bad. <laughs> that would be a bad scenario. That would be very bad. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that. It's a, it's a good solution <laughs> to, a, to a PS2-era problem. So, uh, speaking of... Uh, running into things and stuff falling off the katamari uh i felt like that was like never as punishing as it should have been like i i it's it was it felt bad because it had like some hit stun that didn't feel good because you Mm want to keep moving uh but it always felt like maybe three things tops fell off (laughs) so like I found myself just barreling through things a lot of the time, and that seemed like that was probably not what the designers wanted me to be doing. <laughs> yeah. the It isn't very punishing, like, as a mechanic. Like, it's not really, like, a fail state. And I don't think that it really wants to be, because the challenge is just to get around. Right. It, but it can't be too punishing because of the way the levels are designed. Right. Like, it things just, are so cramped. It'd it felt like the uh, balancing was kind of off mm-hmm. to me. The difficulty curve is weird. Like you said, like it seems easy, and then it spikes up around level like six, and then it doesn't go back down until the last level. Yeah. 
Uh, oh. Yes? If you want it to feel punishing, uh, and I don't recommend this to anyone because it was a tax on my sanity when I was 13, uh, try and collect all the objects in the game. Uh, like, fill out your, your little book. Uh, because then having stuff break off is like a fucking catastrophe where you're like, oh, God, did I need that? Like, uh, is that yeah. one of the objects I haven't gotten yet? I have a theory. It's not a game theory. Thanks for watching. Uh, Are you sure? Yes. Okay. I think that people complain a lot these days about, like, engagement-focused design that's all about trying to maximize the amount of time players spend with your games, freemium design, games as service models. Mm -hmm. I think collectathons were that, <laughs> were literally that for all games before internet connections were constant. That's ones with completion bonuses anyway. Like the idea of trying to collect everything in this game seems comparable to like torture to me yeah like find all the things in katamari damasi <laughs> in the next two hours <laughs> or we're gonna waterboard you again <laughs> uh. i love that this is the one time where things is about like as specific as you can yeah, be just stuff overall yeah, just, yeah. Ob just not even objects objects is too specific it is it is because it's like okay so this ties in a bit, um, because I was thinking, like, yeah, not just objects, because you also get people. And I was like, well, not just people, you also get, like, spiritual beings <laughs> in the last level of the game. And I wanted to ask, because you did finish the game, and, like, you got over the hump of level 7 and 8 being, like, really hard. Uh -huh. And I don't even really remember level 9 that well. But the last level of the game is, like... Uh, like a, it's like a victory lap, I think, for the most part, because it's got it, like a twenty-two minute time. Limit. Yeah, it it only took me one try, and I had like five extra minutes. Right. How did you feel about that? As like a, like the way that it escalates so severely at the end. Uh, I was all about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it. Because yeah, like we said, it's a victory lap, and it's clear that that is the case, and you just get to like cut loose. And not really worry about the time limit. And I, I, my only thing I would have changed is I would have started you out even smaller at the beginning. Like, they start you, like... I think it's, like, one and a half meters or something. Yeah, like, you can roll up, like, a cat when you start, you right. know? And, like, if they would have started you out where, like, you could only roll up, like, tax, like you are in the first level, that would be the only thing I would change to make it yet even better. Yeah, that would have been pretty dope. But yeah, like once it once you expand past like the town, which mm -hmm. I think is about as far as you've been able to get, and it just keeps going, uh, it's pretty cool to just like watch it expand out of control. Yeah, yeah. So basically, when you get to the end of this game, uh, you get to such diameters. I wanted to say heights, but that's not true. <laughs> true to the the nature of a katamari, that you start to like, like okay. So, I'm trying to remember what happens in level 7, which is the one that apparently was the, was one of the rougher ones. Mm -hmm. um, but you're r rolling around the world at that point, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, like, you get to a point where in, like, in that level where you can, like, roll into that schoolyard and stuff, and then you can roll up that hill and get into the second part of the town. And then, basically, what happens in the last level is that you continue rolling around in that town... And then you, like, roll back down and you pick up the school. And you're like, oh, sh like, because you start to lose track of where you are the larger you get. Because everything is so further and further zoomed out. And places that you've been are now just, like, uh, are objects now. So you pick up the school and you're like, oh, shit, like, this is where I am. And then you, like, roll over here. You pick up that, like, whole plaza that you start in. And then... You go, well, wait a minute, there's all this shit over here that I've never even seen before. Mm -hmm. And so you try and roll across this bridge, and I want to say, like, nine times out of ten, you just, like, pick up the bridge, and you're like, oh, shit. And then all of a sudden, you're just, like, 
you just go through and you're just picking up you pick up a whole fucking yeah. city and then the challenge is just to get big enough to start picking up things that you just shouldn't yeah. even be picking I, up i thought a real nice touch was like part of the area you start in has a hot air balloon above it mm-hmm. and you're eventually able to come back and just roll it up yeah which you is like a good it's good for reference like how much larger your katamari has gotten yeah so you pick all that stuff up and you can pick up the cities and then you start picking up clouds and you pick up the islands that the cities were on and then you pick up the like uh death goddess that's like floating around yeah godzilla is (laughs) popping around he's fighting like some other kaiju and then there's like the superhero that they have on tv is like a real thing but he's like 700 feet long (laughs) and you pick him up (laughs) They you really pick up go rainbows yeah. and shit. It's so crazy. They really go all in. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Like nine times out of ten, when I come back to Katamari, I just play that level, and then I'm just like, oh, "Well, I feel pretty good now." Yeah, and I move on. Yeah, I, the game definitely needed that. I agree. To just like take the the challenge away and just let you like fucking roll up the world, <laughs> just, like satisfy that craving. <laughs> And I would describe it as a craving, it the is, feeling that Katamari yeah. sort of instills within you. Mm-hmm. It creates a hunger, is a that, hunger to roll. It appeals to, appeals to that, like, OCD-ness. Uh, like, you gotta, gotta roll everything up in this ball. He's <laughs> <laughs> gotta clear it all away. Like, the, the part of you that wants to cover the whole map with your ink and Splatoon. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, like, the part of you that wants to clean a room or something. Yeah, well, that that's... <laughs> And then yeah. cover it in ink. And then cover it all in ink. Yeah. And then paint it. Yeah. 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 Seems good. The part of you that wants to do your chores. <laughs> <laughs> this is way better than chores. It'd be like, imagine how much better chores would be if your broom, instead of being a thing you had to use to push objects, just stuck to objects and you could just... <laughs> just oh, so it's, it's a shticky. <laughs> <laughs> Katamari is like using a shticky to clean your room. Like a huge shticky. Like the stickiest shticky that could ever be. That imparts sticky qualities Mm -hmm. into other. Are we like, is that correct? It's like S H T. Oh, man. I don't know exactly how they spell it. No. It's like, oh, I see you're playing with your Katamari. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, I'll come back later. Yeah, this game has been like uh, a constant sort of like force in my life since the day that it, it that I got it originally. But even that, even then, I don't have anything else to say about this. <laughs> Some uh, depths of knowledge really just can't be delved further. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to touch on the constellation levels, but I don't have a ton to say about them. Oh yeah, I, we should go over them because, like, you kind of should. We ignored them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I felt like they were a missed opportunity for some like more creative and or varied uh, challenge levels. Like the idea of having s- some challenge levels to balance out the like very simple kind of concept of the regular levels is a good one. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. And they kind of botch it. A little bit. I think... Because uh... it's either collect all of one thing... Mm-hmm. Or really tiptoe around everything <laughs> until you're big enough to pick up the biggest bear. Yeah, or the biggest <laughs> Which cow. is the opposite of fun. Yeah, well, that wasn't fun, and I didn't do it. It did leave a hilarious impression on me when I didn't realize the true conceit of the level yet. I thought mm-hmm. you, you could pick up oh, as many bears. Oh, it definitely bear. tricks you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought you could pick up as many bears as you wanted and would only count the largest one. Yeah, but that's, I just what, mo- that's what a normal person would think. Nope. But no, I just moved three <laughs> feet, like, in seconds after loading in, just got a small bear and immediately was kicked to the end screen. It <laughs> yeah. was like... In the cow level, it'll end the level for picking up bottles of milk. Like, it's <laughs> fucked up. Like, they they hate you for playing their game in those levels. Yeah, I, I don't know what kinds of challenge levels I would make, because I'm not a game designer on the Katamari team. Right. But let, uh, me, let me run a few ideas past you. Here. Well, have they done more in the sequels? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they botched them equally, if not worse. Because uh, I feel they... like there's got to be some good ideas. There are. And I think they, they brushed close personally i think the best challenge level in the series though i have like very very little reminiscence of uh, 
beautiful Katamari, the one on the 360, because uh, I only played through it the one time. But uh, is the Gemini level in this one? where you pick up twins because mm. i thought that was actually a really good concept i feel like it's too hard to tell it is like the stuff you're <laughs> picking up a lot of the time that maybe that's the the, the issue is that it was... it's like the the art style's actually working against it here because everything already looks too similar yeah everything looks like very simplified yeah. I, and, like, I, you got a big ball in your way. Right. I, I think that the thing that works for me about the challenge levels in this one is that all of them stick to the core conceit of the game being pick up as much stuff as possible, except for two examples. Uh-huh. But even in those two, if you do what JJ did and just grab a bear immediately, you don't fail the level. They just kick you back and said you get a small Katamari. Like, yeah. Was, right, right. Yeah. The, this is the issue that I take with the We Love Katamari variation on this, which was they had challenge levels that you could fail in the same way that you could fail the, uh, the bear and cow missions, mm-hmm. but it was like... But it was an actual fail state. It didn't count as you completed the level. So the one that springs to mind is there's one where... Uh, your goal is to pick up things that will keep a fire burning. Like, your Katamari is on fire. Oh, okay, that's a good idea. So you have to yeah. pick up things that are, like, flammable or are fire. I like that. Me too. I, yeah, great. But <laughs> the the place that it takes place in is surrounded by, like, a lake. Mm-hmm. And if you fall in, you fail. If you pick up a fire extinguisher, you, you fail. fail. <laughs> if you pick no, up, like, a bucket it... of water, it, like, reduces the size of the flame okay, by a lot. That's what, yeah. yeah, it should do. Mm-hmm. You had to get the fire to a certain size. Right. And that's, like, the goal is to get the fire, like, it, it's, it measures it in degrees, but it's the same fucking thing as right. everything else. Your catamaran never grows in it. You just want to, like, okay. keep increasing the heat. And there are other levels that are similar to that in those games, uh, but that one, like, kind of stands out as being, like, a as a boo on my part. Mm. I don't like having to replay well, in Katamari level. Instant failure fa- is bad. Exactly. In Katamari. Yeah. And then that's really what the issue is. Yeah. Like, it just feels like, um, it needs like in Catherine, like the Rapunzel equivalent where like, it's like a companion thing to the main puzzles that has like slightly different rules. Mm-hmm. Don't know what those rules would be, but it feels like Katamari would benefit from a similar thing. Agreed. So do we have final thoughts? Uh, I guess I have to go first. <laughs> Andy looks at uh, me with horror. Uh, I, I, I could go first. Yeah, you Because mine is uh, is very simple. So I, I, I love Katamari, the, the, really the whole series, but mostly this first game. And it's, it's had like a, like a background presence for a long time where it's just something that I like to think about and think like, I love games that do weird things, and Katamari, for me, was like the introduction to things that do weird things, but are still like an enjoyable, fun experience, and that is my like my big takeaway from the game is just you combine a bunch of interesting things, but still have it like work as an experience that can be sort of not entirely but a little bit separated from that and it's still fun to do and i think that you've got a real great thing on your hands uh katamari ticks like all the boxes and i know that i have a particularly sort of like weird set of tastes sometimes uh but because katamari hits all of those i'm i'm i love it i I love it a lot um it's hard to like sum up your feelings on this game because <laughs> there are so many. But uh, this, yeah, this game gets huge points for me for being so weird and unique. Um, I don't quite love it. Like, I don't tend to like latch on to the more arcadey kinds of games as we've discussed on the podcast many a time. Uh, but I do. I imagine if I had played this when I was younger, I'd probably lean more towards the Chad side, where I would totally love it. I feel like there should be a lot to say. Like, I'm, tr- I'm struggling to narrow down my thoughts here. <laughs> See, this is why we, we take an extra week for the podcast now. Yeah. It's yeah, so that to... you can digest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and still not be able to come up with final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still not be able to come up with final thoughts. Uh, but now I feel like this game does a lot with, like, a really well-executed, like, core concept and surrounds it with a bunch of quirky 
absurd stuff. It's a lot like WarioWare, and it it's just executed really well and it's very it's very memorable because of that and you'd have to be some kind of like weird grump to not like it katamari damashi is like a clown from a culture i do not know (laughs) (laughs) it is a perverse unknown i i respect it not just because it deserves it but because i fear what would happen to me if i do not (laughs) <laughs> good game great game a game everyone should play uh a, a game that i think wants you to play it in the worst way possible <laughs> 10 out of 10 I do <laughs> thank you for listening to no clip this week what are we talking about next time next time oh i'm oh i'm i'm actually oh i'm excited about this uh <laughs> <laughs> Next time, uh, we're going to be making our first foray into the virtual world. Uh, so strap on your power gloves and your crazy sci-fi headsets, because uh, we're talking about Deracine or Deracine. I don't know how to pronounce this one either, uh, which is from softwares like adventure game, puzzle game, walking simulator game exploration game the vr experience the vr the true vr experience by dark souls creator from software uh we can finally talk about dark souls freely oh thank god (laughs) (laughs) uh until that time all of our contact information if you want to get a hold of us is on our website at noclippodcast.com or at splattershot.pro there you can find links to our youtube our twitter all of our old episodes we got some real nice nice stuff back there uh again listen to that please like comment subscribe uh give us a five-star rating on itunes give us a whatever out of 10 rating on uh google play Buttons, buttons, we love you, buttons. Yes, press all those buttons. Yep, roll up that like button. Yep, too, continue, too easy. Continue rolling it over to that subscribe button. <laughs> Make the YouTube page bare <laughs> by picking up everything there is. Oh, wait, no, hold on, I got the better one. Yes? You go, quickly, there's an emergency situation. An asteroid is coming to destroy the Earth. And you have to roll a catamari up large enough to catch the a- asteroid before it makes contact. So everybody needs to leave a comment right now <laughs> so that there's enough stuff on the YouTube page to roll up. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. All right. Woo. <laughs>